Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. In his epistle to the churches of Galatia, the Apostle Paul is defending the authenticity and the truth of God's saving message of the gospel. Uh, The message that he had declared to them as God's message is undergoing modification in a way that makes it uh, not a gospel anymore. Some addition to the simple truth of trusting in Christ for salvation uh, has in fact nullified the capacity of the message to save people because people are adding their own works to the means of attaining salvation. Salvation is in Christ. It is based entirely on His work. So as he comes into the body of his epistle, uh, the Apostle Paul gives several lines of evidence why what he is declaring to them is true. The, The central affirmation is that the good news of salvation through faith in Christ and through faith in Him alone is true for several reasons. And one of the first lines of evidence is that that it is of divine origin is shown by several historical facts. These historical facts concerning, concern him, first of all, that he, the preacher of the gospel, came to understand the good news of God, not because of any training or his own background or human ideology, but because of God's revelation to him. We accept the good news because it is a divine message. Think about it. Apart from God being involved, we cannot have any certainty that the message of salvation is truly a saving message. People could have seen Jesus. They could have seen that He performed miracles. They could have seen that He died on the cross. They could have seen, in fact, that He rose from the dead. But all of this is apart from the fact of why He did all these things. The experience of Jesus Christ as He lived on this earth could have been observed by people, but the purpose of it is not something observable to the human eye or ear or any of our senses. You can see that Christ was holy, righteous, perfect. You could see that He was extraordinary in His powers. You can see that He willingly carried the cross and was nailed to it, and he died. You could have seen him if you lived at that time, and he appeared to you that he actually rose from the dead. But who knows what all of this was for? It is in fact his own message and the message of God that the death of Christ was for the purpose of our salvation. This is a message that only God can teach us. That salvation is through faith in Christ. That He is the substitute for sinners. That God considered Him 
as someone who took the place of sinners like you and me when he died and laid our sins on him. This message can only be given by God. And this was communicated to the apostles by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And to this man who writes the epistle to the Galatians, namely Saul of Tarsus, whom we know as the apostle Paul, by the appearance of the risen Christ to him. So concerning his background, he says in Galatians 1, in verse 13, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. You see, he says, the message of the gospel has to be other than by my ideology. I did not grow up believing this. I was not trained as a Christian. My life was in Judaism. And because of my zeal for Judaism, in fact, I was persecuting the church of God. I was doing it with a lot of zeal. I was persecuting them violently. I was trying to destroy them. So what happened? It was the dramatic experience on the road to Damascus. It is the experience when Jesus Christ himself appeared to me that turned me around, he says. Elsewhere, the Apostle Paul describes himself as a Pharisee of Pharisees. In the first century, there were several different movements within the faith of Israel. And the dominant form of that, that survived the destructions of 70 AD and comes to our day, is really the Pharisaic wing. What comes to us as Rabbinic Judaism was the Pharisaic movement or the Pharisees of the first century. The Pharisees were very zealous, not only for the law of Moses, but also things added to it, which later became encoded in something called the Mishnah. There were traditions of so-called the fathers or the sages that had come down to them. They put lots of limits on what is acceptable behavior. These were a set of laws and rules in addition to what God had commanded through Moses. And by observing these additional rules, they thought they would be safe not to break the law of Moses to any degree at all. So it is sort of called a, a fence around the Torah, a fence around the law, so that you are protected from making any breach of it by these added extensions to the law. So he calls himself a Pharisee of Pharisees, which means that uh, uh, his own parents most likely were also devout Pharisees. So although he was born and raised and, and grew up in a secular pagan environment in what would be called a Hellenistic world, a world under the influence of uh, Greek ideas which spread across it through the conquest of Alexander and now characterized also the Roman Empire of his time, he was still a Pharisee. So although he grew up in Tarsus, um, his education was under a well-known uh, Pharisaic rabbi uh, of the name of uh, Gamaliel or Gamliel. So he was a Pharisee, but in addition to that, he was a Roman citizen. His Roman citizenship probably means that one of his ancestors, not too far removed from him, uh, had perhaps done a significant favor to a Roman general so that Roman citizenship was conferred to this Jewish family. 
in Tarsus. So Paul is a man of diverse background, but his religious background is in devout Pharisaic commitment. And out of this zeal, he says in verse 14 of Galatians 1, says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. So traditions of my fathers probably has a reference to the Pharisaic elaborations of, of the law. These are additional rules and regulations which controlled how they lived and what they did and what they did not do. He was extremely zealous of them. It is this Pharisaic commitment that made St. Paul hostile to the Christians who were now in what appeared to him to be a great blasphemy, were ascribing divinity to Jesus of Nazareth and worshiping him and preaching his name and making him the centerpiece of life and faith. So, he began in a direction quite opposed to what the Christian movement was. So much so <clears throat> that he was not only mentally opposed to it, he was by his life and commitment opposed to it. He was opposing it. He was trying to destroy it. He was taking initiative and leadership in suppressing this new movement. Paul had received authorization from the Jewish leadership in Jerusalem to arrest and to bring back for trial to Jerusalem the followers of Jesus who could be found in the area of Damascus. These would be Jewish people uh, who had turned to the new faith. So he was on this mission to find them, arrest them, bring them back, and so must have been accompanied by uh, soldiers of some kind. Uh, when the Lord appeared to him, so he was advancing in Judaism, he says, beyond his contemporaries because of his zeal for the tradition of the fathers. It is noteworthy uh, to see how Paul views his own life. Very often we think about our backgrounds and we rightly are sorry for many things that we may have done or not done. Paul could look back on his life and be very regretful about this phase where he, in fact, even though he was motivated by the right kind of thinking, wanting to please God, to be zealous for the living and true God, he was ignorant and therefore his zeal was applied in the wrong direction. His zeal for truth and for God uh, became distorted because of ignorance to actual persecution of those who loved God and were loved by God. And one would look at this as a great tragedy in life. And yet he's able to accommodate this and to see God's own hand at work, not only at this point in his life, uh, but from the very beginning of his life. But in Galatians 1.15, uh, Paul says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. 
even though he had been a persecutor of the followers of the living and true God by believing in Christ, Paul sees that God was at work in his life from the very beginning. God had a purpose for him. The determinative influence of Paul's life was really the calling of God. So God had a purpose to turn this man into a messenger of his own, to be his own apostle, to be his spokesman who would declare to the Gentile world and the Jewish world the message of salvation. He sees the sovereignty of God in his own life. And yet, the acceptance of divine sovereignty happens without denying his own responsibility. Paul would never say, look back at his life and say, well, it was not my fault that I was spiritually blind. It is not my fault that I was persecuting Christians. Even though he is regretful of his ignorant zeal of the early days, he also sees that God was at work. God had a purpose for him. God had set him apart even from the point of birth to proclaim the message of the gospel. We are individually accountable before God. We are responsible for what we do. And yet, even the hearing of this message is really God reaching out to us and seeking us through the gospel. God wants us to repent from sin and to turn to Him and to trust Him. He uses providence to bring us into a knowledge of Him. Even listening to the radio that declares to us that Jesus Christ is the Savior is God's way of reaching to us and trying to get our attention so that we might turn to Him. Jesus Christ is the Savior. He came into the world to save us from our sin. We need to trust in Him for salvation. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.